Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here, and we are joined by a very, very special guest. She is the defender for the Washington Spirit. Uh, she is not currently flexing her biceps right now, uh, like her Twitter account shows, but uh, that's it. Paige Nielsen. Paige, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And yeah, yeah I, I didn't know we were going to be on camera. Otherwise, we would have a different shirt. <laughs> yeah. You're fu- well, this is the first time we've ever had anyone on the show who has a, uh, a Twitter account for her for an anatom- anatomical part of her body. So this is big. This is big for us. I think that's. I, I have it in here later as saying like, what is that? How does having that influence your workout routine? Like, I, if it were me, I'd be like, I need to do at least two more sets of curls every day now because I can't let this Twitter account down. I've got to at least from from that perspective keep that going. That would be my the way I'd handle it, but. Um, yeah, sometimes I crack under pressure and I just want to lay, but I, um, <laughs> I don't blame you for genetics. <laughs> so let's get started. So for our listeners who may not be as familiar, uh, so we cover all all DC soccer, uh, uh, and, and, you know, Spirit in addition to the rest of uh, DC United and, and Loudon. But you've had a bit of a world tour before settling down here in DC, and now you're a staple. I think you've been here now. The you become a senior staple here very quickly in the NWSL. It doesn't take too many years. And you're like, oh, she's been here forever. Uh, but yeah. after playing after playing in college, you, UNC, you're drafted by the Rain, and then you had some stints in Australia, Cyprus, and South Korea. Uh, aside from Australia, I don't think those are the typical stops on a soccer journey that you would that you normally read about. Uh, how do you think that conventional unconventional path sort of helped shape the professional you are now and sort of just your career in general? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of successful NWSL players, other than you know U.S. national team players, take an unconventional path, and it's um, it's kind of the sacrifices you need to take to get game experience um, in all different types of leagues and different different play styles. And I mean, it was an incredible journey for me. Uh, I, I, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a sacrifice, I guess. Uh, for me, it, it completely shaped who I am today as a player. You know, I went to North Carolina and um, I, I walked on there and I took everything I, I had or what I took everything that I was given in North Carolina and applied that to my game. But then there was so much more like the South Korean league. They were very technical and the German league. Um, I was there for a little bit and Australia was a confidence booster. So all of that combined, it was, um, I just took the most that I could from each league and became an overall rounded player. And it, I mean, confidence is the, the biggest thing in this league. We're all very good players. It, it's the one who come out on top with confidence. Yeah. And I've seen you speak in, in interviews about your time in South Korea specifically about the, te- the technical nature of it. And it was sort of transformative for your, you know, play style. You're also growing up, you're out of college, you're still a young person sort of getting to live in a different culture with a completely different society or learning a new language. Uh, yeah that's that's a huge that's a huge adjustment for anybody at any time uh but specifically from an on on the field perspective uh you know you've played all over the field you've played in the midfield you've played a forward and then you get you get to nwsl you're like i also i'm a good center back you played there in in college for one year but it wasn't sort of what you were known for up until that point do you think that short the stint that you were in south korea sort of getting sort of that that completely different tactical mindset from a different different sort of soccer playing country helped you in that specific way as being a player that has that in her bag as well, as well as sort of just, you know, the other skills that you've learned along the way. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, strength that I had at the time, and this is before I was deciding what team to go to, I had like Portugal, Germany, or South Korea, and I chose South Korea, the weirdest one. Um, but I looked at my strengths, and it was instincts. I had really great soccer IQ. Um, I was pretty athletic. I had the physique and the fitness, and my instincts were incredible. It's like safety in the NFL. Um, you can really read the game. What I was lacking was my technical precision, which is crisp passes and um, knowing where to be at, at all times on the field. And I talked to Anson Dorrance, my college coach, and he was like, one, the money was pretty good in South Korea, and two, it's going to just complete you as a player. And I think if you really are honest with yourself as a player, especially when you're young and you figure out what you need um, to be one of the best, I think just focusing on those like little things will actually get you really far. Yeah, and, and one more question I want to ask. You, you sort of mentioned it wasn't a sacrifice, and the unconventional path is somewhat conventional in NWSL. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot to be made from, I've seen, you know, doing a little bit of research, there was an article, I think, in your hometown paper that was talking about your three part-time jobs you held in your first preseason. And that story gets told a lot by NWSL players. Uh, less so now, but still, still, still now. Um, with minimum salaries increasing, housing on some clubs being taken care of, either by stipend or completely... So it's getting better. But uh, what is the on-field effect for players that have to have five side hustles while playing to earn the living that they're looking for? And knowing, too, like, I, I you know, I'm we're, we're, we're somewhat new to following NWSL the last couple of years, maybe two or three years we've been following. But, like, seeing young players retire and seeing the ability to make, and this was the case at MLS, too, earlier on, in the, and, and seeing the ability to make it, get another job making three times the salary pretty easily means that you retire yeah. at 26 and 25 when you've got you're, you're in your playing prime and it's like well i gotta i gotta eat and i need a 401k so uh the yeah. choices are made but what on the field what does it mean to have to diversify your time so much in order to a at the lower end just make just make ends meet or at the in the middle or in the higher end try to like make a living and, and make it make it so that you're living comfortably like the way you should as a professional soccer player yeah, I mean, when I was 21 and I took a job where I was going to get six figures right away out of college. Um, that UNC degree right there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I got drafted. I had a real decision to make. Um, that was that was really hard, especially when you're young. And, you know, I don't know, our country's pretty greedy. I'm, I grew up poor, so I was like, holy crap, this is more money than I've ever seen in my life. Um I think our parents as a generation did a really good job of going after kind of our dreams. I don't know. My, my mom did anyways. And um, I see that a lot with the people that stayed in the league that are fighting that have been in the league for a long time. They're like, no, no amount of money is going to make me leave. And that's why our league is so great. Uh, the people that stay are so invested in soccer and, and they want to be role models for younger kids. And basically it goes two ways. It's either you retire early and you get a real job and this league can't be sustainable. However, we're making improvements and um, the ones that did take three jobs that are continuing their soccer growth, they're, they're making this league grow. So, so I don't know. Like when I was in Seattle and I took three jobs, um, all I could think about was getting better as a soccer player so I didn't have to do that anymore, which is basically make the US team because financially they're doing okay. And um, 
but then I met so many rad women soccer players, women sports in general, um, that are fighting for better play, better pay. And I think um, you've just made awesome strides and we're going to continue to grow. Yeah, that struggle as motivation mentality is, is one we've heard a lot. We had Felipe on uh, the show a couple months ago and he was basically talking about like the American player, the American male player, the one that gets out of college. Uh, this is his perspective from uh, being from Brazil and playing sort of his, he's had a, he's had a pretty international focused career as well, but that there's always a fallback plan. There's a good fallback plan uh, in the United States. You're probably going to either get into coaching or you'll find, or you'll find a job that you're making good, a good, a good living if you went to college. But he's like in Brazil, that was not the case. Like you, it's, yeah. it's a, you, the motivation to succeed is so high because the, the price of failure is one you don't want to pay. And I think that, like you said, like, having to work all those jobs and still being a professional athlete and having to keep your body in the, in the best shape you can is the best motivator to be like, I've got to, I've got to keep going up because this is not long-term sustainable for anybody. Right. right. Go ahead. So, yeah. So, um, one of the, I was kind of watching, watching, looking up, uh, some, some of the videos the team produces on Twitter. And, um, I know they had the one that, that was posted about, uh, I think it was when I made it. And he talked about your experience uh, breaking Carly Lloyd's uh, ankles in a, in a game, and uh, and going and sp- and uh, but one thing, the interesting part with that is that I believe you you talked about also meeting uh, the former U.S. women's coach at at a coaching license, and so I, I want to obviously that was an awesome moment to 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 punk a, a world champion, but uh, I think also I want to ask a little bit: are, are you sort of seeing a sort of jumping right into to coaching after after playing? Is that kind of your next step, or was the opportunity there and you're like, I'll take this and, and maybe I'll figure it out. Or do you see yourself becoming a coach in the future? That's a good question. And I go back and forth. I see myself as a good coach and I love helping little kids. Um, during season, I found out that like, it kind of exhausts me because like, I want to pour all my energy into these kids, but then um, it maybe affects my play, which is unfortunate. Um, I will, I would like to be a coach in the future. I don't know if that will be like a full-time job for me. Uh, I'm interested in a lot of different things and I'm taking some cybersecurity masters. Uh, Yeah, I I like to keep my options open, but definitely going to coach my own kids if I have them one day and um, my nephew and nieces. I love, I love it. We were t- I, I see my I see my, more of myself as an assistant coach because I can really read the game and and kind of fix things after that. A soccer a soccer defender wants to be cyber in cybersecurity. That that sounds perfect. Like that's like <laughs> I feel like there's some if you ever own a company you can come up you can come up with some pretty cool names based on that. Right. The news the, the newspaper headline writes itself. I feel like it's sort of on it's uh, you're you're doing a favor to anybody who wants to write an article about that. Um, so I think let's let's get talk let's talk about this year so far. Uh, your last game you played in before you went out injured was against Orlando, who we're playing against this weekend. Uh, how's your yeah. How's your rehab gone? Are you Are you in the mix to play this weekend? Uh, what's 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 the time on the sideline been like for you so far? Uh, it's been awful. Yep, I've never been. That's about right. <laughs> I've never been injured before, and I really commend all those people that have torn their ACL three times. Like it, it's been. It's been awful, but also good at the same time, kind of stepping away from the game. In Orlando, I was even not 100%. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to get 100%. Were you? Um, did you get a PRP injection before that game too? Were you 
Where was that? Was that you? I'm trying to remember from the pre the the pregame. Seem we were. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. I I got it after, which I should have got it, got it before. I got a PRP in my knee, my hamstring, and my glute. Um, because I've been dealing with the hamstring thing all year and I, I've never really had to deal with anything. So I just keep playing through the pain and I was like, wait, it's not getting better. I'm getting older. I'm not bouncing back. <laughs> What's that about? I don't know. Um, but it's going really well. I, I took much needed time off, been in the pool, the alter G, a lot of physical therapy, and I will be back soon. Probably not this weekend, but the next. Okay. One uh, to sort of tack on to that, obviously, uh, 2020 was, was a was a rough year. No, no season. You had the Challenge Cup, which was, you know, certainly a great event. Uh, but how does it feel sort of I know you're, you're getting ready to start playing in a, in a normal season. Uh, but how does it feel to sort of be back into like a, a normal season, a normal groove? Uh, as normal as it can be, obviously, there, there's some other things that, that have happened in 2021 for the spirit that have made it a little not normal. But uh, but how, how does that sort of feel to be week in, week out, normal season with with playoffs and everything? I mean, it's amazing. Like last year just showed the type of resiliency our team had. And when you, when you finally feel like you're there working towards something as a team, that's incredible. For me personally, it's been tougher because... I was probably the most fit I've ever been coming up into preseason. And that's, I guess, usually when you get hurt. <laughs> Particularly when you have a 30-day preseason or a 30-year preseason or whatever this one was. <laughs> right. And I probably trained too much in the off offseason. Um, I obviously had really big aspirations with the U.S. national team. and um, It kind of blindsided me a little bit. So all year I've been dealing with an injury, but um, – but to be honest, our team's really exciting. We have young girls that are playing like they're 30 years old. They're very mature. And um, I cannot wait to get all the pieces together. You can see little pieces here and there. Um, we're grinding out some points. And uh, yeah, season is here. And and all the teams are really exciting this year. You have no idea what, what teams are going to produce after a couple months. And it's really fun learning and growing together. And and I believe that we are going to be in the finals this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, you talk about resiliency. This last, this last like ten days is a perfect example. You've got you had the, you had the Wednesday scramble to get down to Houston, get three points, a game, <laughs> a game in Tacoma that uh, did. Uh, I, I think I think going into it, knowing your captain was out on a red card, looking at looking at the lineup you're facing, understanding you're on short rest, understanding you had less than one day, the, the players who played had less than one day to get <laughs> to get their affairs back in order before they shipped over to the West Coast. Uh, another three points. Like this team, I think that, like you said, the pieces are not all in place yet, but you're getting points. You're in second place. Points are getting on the board. And, uh, you know, that sort of resilience is got to be a hallmark for a team to succeed in a long, long NWSL season. Is that, does that seem right to you as well? Absolutely. And every point matters when it gets closer to the end. Like you're like, ah, oh, if we just scored that goal that hit the crossbar, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's about, it's that, it's that inch that you need to go, um, to become successful in our league for the, for the fan tactically, what's different from the defense this year. So I think there was a lot of conversation in the, in the challenge cup from Richie about wanting to have more formational flexibility and sort of, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would say frustration, but sort of 
uh, realizing there were growing pains and sort of trying to in- institute new tactical ideas uh, in in the Challenge Cup and sort of having to go back to what worked in the past to be able to to play the game out. From from your spot on the field, what's different uh, this year, or what will be different when you're back on the field full time? I mean, yeah, we resorted back to our four three three, our most comfortable comfortable formation. But considering the personnel we have. Uh, what Richie tries to do is get the best 11 on the field, no matter what position they are. And that requires different formations. Mm-hmm. Like he tried the three, five or three, four, four. I don't even, I just know three at the back. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that set of numbers are the ones that is most important. Uh, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really fun. And, and we have all footballers, like we know how to play soccer and it's just really doing the right things at training. It's doing, um, developing relationships with each other on and off the field to basically implement those formations and strategies well. And I think like we're not done trying that formation, especially if everyone's healthy, you know, Kelly's a little bit in and out. Um, Tori's been great this year. Last year, she was a little bit in and out. Um, But when we are full squad ready to go i think there's a number of formations that we can do to become successful and we're really we're all really flexible because we're really great soccer players the team the team currently sits in second place it's early you're gaining points playing playing really stingy defense as, as a team like not really conceding <laughs> almost at all yeah. and now you're and now in the last uh, you know in the last couple of games you're starting to capitalize on the large number of chances the team's generating that was sort of that was sort of the sticky point it was like Chances, chances, chances. We're not finishing. We've got to be more clinical up front. Um, you've sort of alluded to this before, but a, a, as you've been able to watch some of these teams play, as you've been out, I assume you're watching Paramount Plus, just like we are trying to trying to go, stay up on the league. Yeah. Not non paid plug there for Paramount Plus. Um, <laughs> what's your you know? You think you're going to be in the finals? I think you said that. So your level of optimism obviously is high, but like where? I think I think we also were saying at the beginning of the year, everyone's predictions so far. Not going great. It's not a great year to be a prognosticator for NWSL. Although I think you know a lot of people were comfortable saying we, you know, the Spirit are going to be in the conversation in the East, and that you know already in the conversation. But like, what's your level of optimism overall for understanding you're going to be in the final? But like, this team is now starting to come together. The team is now starting to finish chances. Uh, you've got you've got young. Sorry, my dog just busted in. You've got you've got young forwards. Uh, Tara McKeown now st- jumping right from college having a week of training in the game now starting uh, yeah. still an opportunity to maybe add more pieces uh, court, you know, there's still, there's still an opportunity to window to improve. Just talk about your general level of like where this team fits in the, the conference and in the league in general with uh, where you're at now. Yeah. I mean, I think our, we have a statistician assistant coach and more often than not more experienced teams win championships that's just how it is tom brady is super experienced and um but right now we added more experience whether that's on the front line or the back line we have more experience this year we do still have younger players but like i said they're playing very mature when i was 18 19 years old like trinity rodman there's no way i would pick my head up and try and shoot i would i would panic and shoot at any frame that i had um so like I said, the level of maturity that these young players have, and I think the colleges are doing a really great job 
preparing them for professional leagues now compared to the the past has been amazing. And I credit our coaches picking out the players that fit our style the best. And they fit right in. These younger, newer players fit right in. And I really think we're going to have a shot with young and exciting energy mixed with more experience this year than we've had. Um, You know, even the 20... 19 draft class with Sam Staub, Jordan DiBiase, they're probably Dorian Bailey, Bailey Feist, they were like the best draft class I think ever. And now they're the experienced players, yeah. you know, and they're only 23, 24 years old. Um, and our team has allowed to basically grow these players in a way that a lot of teams haven't been able to. And I'm really excited to see where we go. I think that's right to give props there to Richie and the rest of the team picking uh, in for the draft because they don't miss. Like you're, you're absolutely right. If you look at the names that come out from up from a draft class and then they're starting, or they're in the next year starting, or they're you know in two years on are the foundational pieces of the team. It doesn't happen on every team, and you're right. I think it, a lot of it has to do with understanding the qualities of a player that that you want and how the rest of the team, what what the rest of the team needs and how they can accommodate them. So I just wanted to reiterate your support there. I think, I think that's a, I think that's really, uh, really well spotted. The team is in a much better position because they don't waste draft picks. Yeah. I wonder if you can help me with a, with a little theory I had on, on last week's show uh, here, Paige. Uh, so we, we know Richie Burke here, here is a motivator. Uh, and, and we know he, he was asked about a, a certain former teammate of y'all's, Rose Lavelle. And he was like, oh, it's a great, she's a great player. Oh, I'm so scared to play the her The best against. player. I, I believe he I'm, said I'm the best. The best, but the best player in the world. I'm thinking that was maybe a little bit of uh, of reverse psychology maybe on the rest of the players. Say, oh, you think she's great? You know, uh, we'll, we'll show you. We'll go out there and put out a performance. Sure. Can, can, can you uh, can you confirm or deny maybe that was his thinking? Particularly a certain number 10 uh, <laughs> on your team who played like her hair was on fire. Phenomenally. Maybe. To be honest, if it's reverse psychology or not, I think Richie and I can agree that Roosevelt's the best player in the world or one of the best. Um, and we were really sad to see her go. You know, every player has to do, do things that they need to. And she was a big piece of our team. And, um, but Richie does believe in his own players and knows that if we play the way we want to play, no one player can affect us. And, you know, I don't know. He actually, I know Paul Riley for North Carolina Courage does reverse psychology, always the underdogs. They've right. been national champions. <laughs> You're fooling no one, Paul. It's no, no one believes you. <laughs> They're always the underdogs, right? And Richie, for us, it's like, even though we're young, every single one of my players, I would take over this team. And you guys just have to show that you should be confident. Um, never thinks of us the underdogs because he was a he was a confident player himself. Like maybe too confident, but it works. <laughs> I like and, I like that. I think I like that better than the other. I think that's more easy to believe. For I mean, obviously, there's yeah. collective delusion in North Carolina if the players still at to this point are like, you know what, he's right. They, no one, yeah. everyone doubted us. Who could have ever thought we would do it? I think, I, I think right. that Richie's system makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, and it allows our twenty-year-old players to just go do their thing. They're not scared at all. You see Ashley Sanchez taking experienced vets on all the time. Like it's, it's so fun to see. Uh, so no, I, I think, I think, in, I think in thirty years we're going to have a, an interview where. Uh, 
Ashley Sanchez is going to be sitting down and we're going to hear the, the Richie Burke talking about how great, uh, how great, uh, Rose Lavelle is. And she's going to be sitting and say, I took that personally. Yeah. If you, no, know my, sure. if you get me, if you get me, yeah. <laughs> if you get my reference. <laughs> we, uh, speak, so sort of speaking about how one player leaving or one player not being there was, has not sort of changed the goals of the, of the team and sort of the chance creation. So obviously that, that there was a, there was a move there. Uh, she, she moved on. Chance creation did not was not affected here so far in the Challenge Cup and, and after the fact. But Bailey Feist being injured, we you know I think myself, uh, some of the other uh, beat writers that were following the team were like, this is her year. Like her Challenge Cup, she from from my perspective was like player of the match almost every time in the Challenge Cup. She was just on fire and, and she gets hurt in a, uh, in a in a in a friendly before the season finally starts. Um, do were we you know was she. Uh, was she? Did you also think she was? She was gonna have a big year, her first sort of full or a full season in a position where she probably was gonna start. She was in the starting eleven for sure, and Richie was, you know, Richie was pumped. I think to have her have a more increasing role in a full in a full length season. Yeah, um, she was my roommate. Uh, we had an incredible year together last year. Just uh, we used COVID as our time to get better individually, and I'm telling you, she was doing freaking incredible in preseason and it makes me a little emotional thinking about it because she was going to have an amazing year like so confident she was a beast she could run for miles and miles rose lavelle-esque um that usually happens like when you're at your prime something happens to test your resiliency or something i can tell you that she's going to come back stronger um yeah it's a bummer but they can't stop us from our goals you know. Yep, I, th- I think the team will only be better when they're able to reincorporate for her back in, and you know, a- ACL now is such that's like a that's like a hamstring pull at this point. Everyone, it seems like that's a an unfortunate reality. I think I think the the Twitter refrain is always ban ACLs, uh, and yeah. we yeah. we agree with that on on the show. Uh, speaking of Twitter, we got a couple questions from uh, from listeners. They wanted to know a few things from you uh, from I'm going to butcher these names pretty bad here. Uh, nope. I'm going to get K. Nope. I'm going to try somebody on Twitter said uh, what qualities make a player able to play multiple positions. I think this is great for you, but also you talked about the the tactical flexibility of the team. There's like four or five players. Uh, Sari Takarata was one that I was, that, that way they signed. I was like in the, in the challenge cup, I didn't know much about her, her pre- previous experience in Japan. I was like, Center back. Okay. All right. Cool. No, that's that's fine. And then she's like, actually, she's a forward, but she's also very comfortable there. She's going to play there in the Olympics, but she's also going to play in the forward. So, what makes a what makes that's not something you see everywhere in every sport. So, what's what are the qualities that make a player able to do that? Uh, just being a well-rounded yeah. soccer player, or just being you know confident in everywhere in every position? Um, the confidence comes from technically sound players. The technical ability is number one, probably. Like when you receive receive a ball, it's first touch. That's what makes you so comfortable on the ball. Um, and I think everyone on our team has amazing technical ability. And that's what Richie likes. That's what he wants. That means you can play anywhere, especially when we play our team's motto, which is 60% possession, when we have the ball like stuck glued to our feet. So that's number one, technical. And two, tactical, like being very smart. So we play a lot of possession games, 5v2. And it's never really directional. So you're everywhere at all times on the field. So you just see the triangles like all over the field and basically how you're going to beat this player. So that, so once you have that in your head where 
you're, you're just trying to beat this player in front of you. It doesn't really matter what position you are. Um, yeah, Fair enough. I guess. Yeah, just be good. Goal. Just just be good yeah. and be confident and be and you can yeah. be playing anywhere. I think that's that's good enough. We have another question coming in from uh, Paul O'Brien at Dash Fan in Real Life. Uh, it says we all know Paige of being very fit, uh, but being a good center back is also about being able to stay focused for ninety minutes. Even a brief lapse can lead to a miscommunication or misread and a goal. Uh, how do you maintain uh, the mental? acuity for the duration of the match honestly i don't sometimes <laughs> and that's why you have your goalkeeper yell at you from the back of your head <laughs> yeah. sam Stav and i have each other's backs a lot like um yeah you have to communicate the entire game but also have to see who's on your shoulder but also have to keep your line like up there's a lot of things you have to do and i'm mentally exhausted at the game but you have each other um and I take half a caffeine pill before a game. So that makes me alert. <laughs> and um, honestly, like ever since I was little, my older brother used to play soccer. And the entire time I was just so fascinated watching him and watching games on TV. And I honestly can't like look away. I'm fascinated with every player's movements and um basically how I can beat every single player that's near me because I'm so competitive. Um, yeah, it just, the more you immerse yourself in those environments, the more, the better you want to become. And that involves being alert at all times. And um, it is a task, but when you put, when you're a center back, you put being a leader on your shoulders you don't want to disappoint people, which is your coach, yourself, and your teammates. So I think I use that as my like sole motivator um, to make sure that I don't disappoint my team and they can rely on me at all times. I think Ashley Hatch talked That's, about uh, she was using a sports psychologist to do sort of similar half a caffeine pill sports psychologist, whatever it takes to sort of like get your get your mental game straight. I think that that's uh, you know, as long as you, as long as it, <laughs> I feel like in center back, you the game is in front of you at least. I feel like you're it come it it's coming to you a lot of the time, so it's a lot. It's a maybe sometimes harder sometimes harder to switch off maybe because the 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 play is always happening in front of you versus sort of I don't know maybe not maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's hard no matter what. Um, but having this question come from Dash fan in real life makes me think of another question. As a new as a sort of a new NWSL observer, it's interesting to see such a supportive fan base. For the whole league, there are more league fans than there are team fans. I mean, there are both, right. but like it's right. it's interesting coming coming come sort of being a new observer to the league, a new follower. What's that like? What's it like not having like just horrible vitriol in your Twitter Twitter mentions? Like like you know, DC United players score a goal against the Red Bull and then they can't use Twitter for a week because it's not. Right. <laughs> what right. is I? This seems better. This seems like this seems like a better model as far as like uh, non toxic and. Uh, mentally healthy uh, athlete situation. It's, you know what? You're right. Like there's never really hatred. Um, it's actually amazing. I mean, in the past girls would move teams a lot. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not like that now because we have longer year contracts and stuff at, at the start, people would move teams all the time. So, so fans of the league would just follow players right. everywhere. I, the joke I made was it's the Rob Lowe with the NFL shield hat, but have it be the NWSL <laughs> logo on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's just a really awesome community and vibe. You know, people want to see women succeed uh, where we haven't had the most success in the past, especially towards men's sports. And there's just basically fight for equality and um, puts my faith in humanity, you know? It's, it's been amazing basically interacting with our fans and more fans are coming, so it's a lot harder for us to. But I think as players, we do a really good job interacting with our fans. And I think you really can't, you know, hate on us for that, whether whether it's our fans or Portland's fans or anything. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool. I think, I think this week, Megan Rapinoe got a little bit of attention for, or last week, trying to change that dynamic a little bit by celebrating very hard in front of <laughs> in front of Portland's fans and trying to be like, you have to hate me. This is this is how this works. You have to hate. But I think in general, that's that's one rival. Portland. When right. I was with Seattle, we would like stop on roses. Just that's that's one rival they're trying to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the Portland fans are crazy as well. I think this is better. Dude. This is this is certainly a better setup. I think the rest of the league certainly have something to learn from this, as far as like. You got enough stress in the rest of your life. Like you got enough problems in the rest of your life. Like don't vent your don't vent your spleen and, and all of your personal stuff at these <laughs> at these athletes. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Don't go on the Facebook page for DC United, for instance. Like that's like the that's a good example of where not to go <laughs> if you want to avoid that in your life. And I have one last question, sort of a to a sort of a fun question. I saw I saw you tagged in a, a tweet about Nebraska's crypto uh, like new new crypto offering. <laughs> Is that something? Yeah. Is that something you're really interested in? I'm, 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 I'm a aficionado, so I was just curious what or what your level of uh, of interest is what in it. Um, I love cryptocurrency. I do think it's the future, and um, I've been researching this company for a really long time in Nebraska. Telcoin, shout out. That's right. Um, feel free to feel free to say the uh, the the uh, if it's on Coinbase or something. You could yeah. pump your coin. It's on Qcoin. It's on Qcoin Exchange. Um, I'm on a lot of different exchanges, but. Uh, I made it in finance. I almost took a sales and trading job in at Bank of America, and it's just—it's a really fun hobby for me. So um, you got to be the first—you got to be the first NWSL player to have a publicly staked opinion on on crypto. I think I think this is an opportunity to differentiate. I think you should go with this. Okay. <laughs> I think it's good. So, I'm the crypto geek. Yeah, see if you can get like a like a sleeve like a sleeve ad like sell some space for for Qcoin. I think that's the way to go. Right. Right. So let's let's wrap it up, Ted. Yep. Uh, Paige, thank you so, so much for uh, joining us. Uh, We'll let you get back to the rest of your day. Uh, You guys are playing Sunday against Orlando. Can we make Orlando a rival? Like, can we do that? Like, I I, I want like a a spirit rival. I know, like, I want a team that like, I want to get geared up to, 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 to beat. So I want you to help me that on the field. Do, do something incredible. Uh, I don't want you doing <laughs> that makes you that make that makes this a rival. If if you do play uh if you do play on Sunday, There's no Red Bull uh, cam. Yeah, There's be... no like sort of like physical no. manifestation. <laughs> it's like a lot some like like have a stuffed lion that ripped the head off a stuffed lion. I don't know. We'll have to figure something out. <laughs> but, I don't know how to like take down like pride. Right. right. It's a bad month for that. <laughs> right. right. I know. I know. <laughs> we'll have to just, we'll seed the points. Unfortunately, we can't yeah. say anything about pride this month. So unfortunately. All right. Yeah. So Paige, thanks for joining us and everybody follow, follow Paige on, on, on Twitter at just your name, right at Paige Nielsen. Yep. Follow her biceps. And P, P, P Nielsen 24. And, and buy Qcoin. So it's a, there's all opportunities all up and down the board. <laughs> thanks Paige. <laughs> All right. right. Thanks. Thanks Thanks for joining us.
Guys, thank you so, so much for joining us, and we will catch you guys on Monday. Vamos. Thank you.